You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. Thank you so much for being here today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly from the Atlanta Healing Center. Hello. Thank you for having us. Glad to be here. This is um, a topic that I think will um, hopefully enlighten a lot of our listeners. I know that in doing some of the more in-depth research, it enlightened my ideas and mm-hmm. some of my thoughts. One of the, um, the, to- the topic that came to us, obviously, because it's so much on everyone's mind with the two mass shootings this weekend, three, um, and the many questions about what do we do about this, what's causing this, how can we prevent it, what can we do to make things better. I thought this would be a really good time to look at some of the ideas that have been floated by um, thought leaders in our country about what some of the solutions might be. So today we wanted to spend a little bit of time looking at the role of social media, looking at the role of hate speech, uh, particularly as it involves social media, looking at the effects of uh, violent video games and the tendency towards acting out violently, and also look at the role of mental illness and, um, and safety in this country regarding gun violence. Did um, I don't know. Did you mention just the fact that we have the Internet available in so many places is also a big Right, concern. just the availability. I mean, the availability. That, that we have in, in previous um, generations have just not had, even in the last 10 years. So I think before we get too far into this, though, that the important thing to remember is just like trying to approach the disease of addiction, it's a mat- multifactorial problem. It is a multifactorial solution. And what is going to be the solution for one person is not necessarily going to be the same solution for another person or another family. I think all the things we talk about today are going to be part of what the problem is and potentially part of uh, possible interventions for solutions. I think there are probably many other things that we either won't get to or haven't thought of or hopefully as more time and energy is spent in really looking at some of these um, problems that we'll come up with some better solutions. But it's not one problem, and it's not going to be one solution. Right. And when you said that we're looking at the individuals, basically, and what what uh, a solution for one individual is not a solution for all. Um, we also have to look at then societies. Correct. Because there are different societies where one set of rules is never going to work for them. Right. But it might work for another. And what's been so interesting in this reading is is recognizing that the entire world right now is dealing with the with the. Um, effects of, of social media on its population and on because because there are different sides in every society taking different points of view and it's having an impact on on governments and on societies all over the world and and 
different governments are dealing with it in different ways, mm-hmm. just like families and individuals. But a lot of people throughout the, the globe are really reckoning with this issue. And just as social media, and I think maybe that'll be the first place we'll start today, if that's okay with you all, um, just as social media uh, may be one of the really big um, uh, points in terms of what is happening with some of the hate speech and the violence, um, it's also in the past been part of solutions. And uh, in Libya, for example, um, they have uh, special websites that uh, allow people to understand where it might be safe to travel, mm-hmm. what road might be safe, free from um, violence, free from uh, any kind of terrorism or any kind of um, uh, of military fighting. So there are numerous uh, circumstances where people have used the Internet to uh, and the social media to alert that there is a problem, that there are um, violence, um, violent things happening in a particular country or at a particular location, and as a way to request help or to let your families know that you're okay, that you survived the tornado or the flood. Um, these are, they're, as with anything, uh, as they say, um, the poison is in the dose. Um, and we know that there are some medications and some substances that are very, very helpful and have a lot of um, value. But there are also some medications that, taken too much of, will kill you. It may save your life in one dose, but it may kill you in another. So I want to be sure that we're being balanced in this and that we are not just pointing the evil, 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 because I don't believe that. I think that um, that it's really important that we look at it from all as many angles as we can figure out. But, um, David, I noticed that you had um, this quote out from Dr. Shermer, who is um, uh, the, the guru of eSkeptic, which is one of my favorite websites. Uh, and he is a, a thought leader and a psychologist who does a lot of work. And I thought his um, statement was really cool. Do you mind sharing it with us? You know, I would just absolutely love to share it with you, but I have the wrong glasses, so I'm having to stretch my <laughs> arms just a little bit to see the quote. Um, the quote that really grabbed me, and I'm hoping this is the one you're talking about, is is um, that it's not even coming out either. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I saw you had that out, and so I called on you. That wasn't very fair. But, you know, all. just in terms of your initial point, you know, that social media, is, it's changing our society, but it's one that's being used. We use it every day within our business. We've used it in preparing for the show. We use it to reach out to customers and clients, and they use it. Like, if there's a storm, they want to know if Gwinnett County schools are closed. They check our, our social sure. media to know if they're coming to group or not. So it's it's got a lot of benefits. Um, I, I think that a really good quote in talking about this is, um, you don't have to give people a reason to be violent because they ha- already have plenty of reasons. All you have to do is take away 
reasons to restrain themselves. Thank you. That is the Michael Shermer uh, quote. Um, and uh, again, he is um, the author of E-Skeptic and um, does lots of social forums and has um, some very interesting writing on uh, all kinds of issues. But I thought this was very appropriate today. You know, I, again, that you, you don't have to give people a reason to be violent. You just have to take away their reason to restrain themselves. Exactly. And I thought it was interesting in his in this article before he got to that point, he made sure that to say no one joins a cult. Right. They join a group. Now that group can then be, well, and be his, turned into a his cult, emphasis. but in emphasizing they 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 are going with their belief, and right. they're joining a group that they think is either going to help cult. them right. or help society in some way. Correct. Right. And it turns out to be a cult, and that many um, many times people act in a way that they truly believe is the right thing to do and studies looking at at Nazi Germany and talking to the guards and the people that perpetrated some of the evils that Hitler had created on the Jewish people they truly believed that they were doing the right thing Mm -hmm. and that they were following orders and that they were being good citizens. So I think it is really important that we recognize this fact that people are looking for something to believe in. They're looking for a place to belong. And many people want to be motivated to take some action. So that may be that you um, go, um, as one of our lovely employees does, and she volunteers every week at at homeless shelters for animals. Mm -hmm. And she takes care of of the pets, and she walks them, and she she lives what she preaches, and she, she practices it, and she believes it very strongly, and she donates her time and her money. Well, she even fosters animals. She fosters animals. So she brings them right into her home which is, you know, pretty remarkable. Right. So I think that most people are motivated in that way to exactly. try and do something, as you said, David, that either is going to help them be better, like joining a, a religious congregation, or that's going to do something to help the community, like working in a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen. So people are looking for identity, People are looking for common beliefs, and unfortunately, the Internet and social media has provided some of the splinter groups to be able to really capture a lot of um, people's uh, hearts, minds, attention, and even radicalize people, and this has been a real problem. Well, they were talking about ISIS using using hashtags, ISIS, using uh, videos and and spreading them. And they were able to really radicalize a huge group of people. Um, and I think when you, when you brought up the Libya um, using it for good, mm-hmm. then you also can look right over there and see Syria, which used it for very, very bad things. Right. So... There's always good and there's always bad. So I think that... And, well, and part of, 
part of it is that with the the new social media really being geared in the American way to keep people watching more and to keep getting more advertisements and more likes and more shares to keep that generation going, they're set up. The the programming is set up to keep feeding what you're interested in. Mm-hmm. And so if you're already interested in those people over there that are doing something that seems a little strange, finding out what's going on, it just can feed that that bit of anxiety and turn anxiety into paranoia in, in a really brief period of time. Um, because, I mean, it's doing what it's designed to do in terms of feeding, keeping... keeping the logarithmic... The lo- um, connected. Yeah. It, it figures out what you specifically want and then directs all of those things that maybe you wouldn't have found on your own. Right, to keep you interested and keep you connected. Exactly. So in the trial... In the trial for the, the Charleston shooter, uh, the prosecutor uh, reported that this young man who killed nine black cur- clergy and worshipers in June of 2015 engaged in a, quote, self-learning process. He did this online, and this led him to believe that the goal of white supremacy supremacy, sorry, required violent action. So this gradually getting more and more engaged and more and more invested in more radical thinking, being motivated to violence, I think is one of the things we need to really look at. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about violence in our country. Quick Stakes, that's Q-U-I-K Stakes, are not just for surveyors. They are great for family and community gardens. Go online to www.quickstake.com or contact your local land surveying supply dealer and get you a box of Quick Stakes. You'll love them every year when you plant your garden. Again, that's Quick Stakes, Q-U-I-K Stakes, the truly preferred way to stake and identify what's in your garden now. Hi, this is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour on America's Web Radio. If you'd like to hear an eclectic mix of great programs from relationships with Dr. Ann Schiebert to homegrown veggies and from classic cars to the Constitution, we've got programs for discerning listeners at www.americaswebradio.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and Medical Director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, 
but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and this is America's Web Radio. Today, Michael Daly and David Donaldson from the Atlanta Healing Center are joining me, and we're looking at um, the role of social media. We're looking at the role of violent video games, and we're looking at the role of mental illness in terms of possible sources of the problem for um, violent acting out, like the mass shootings that we've experienced here recently in this country, um, and uh, what are some of the sources of the problem and what are some of the potential solutions. So right before the break, we were talking about the powerful influence um, that social media has. Facebook with the algorithms that help me keep finding the same set of shoes that my husband's trying to not have me buy that pop up every time I log in to see what my grandchildren are doing. Um, On whichever media site you look at, it still pops <laughs> now, up. Now suddenly those shoes are everywhere. But the idea that um, in the same way that it, it tailors the news feed that you see and the advertisers that you see to things that you have liked in the past, pictures that you've spent time watching, videos that you've um, shared with friends, they know you better than you know yourself, and they know just how to sell your information to advertisers and promoters that might be catering to things that you're interested in. So sometimes I've found some really unique gifts, and I've found some interesting new knitting patterns, and I've found some very funny cat videos, um, (laughs) and I can entertain myself for a long time. But by the same token, if people are full of anger, and David, I want you to talk a little bit about the anger management piece of this, because I think it's important, but the the anger, uh, the hate, um, uh, someone has shunned you, or someone has insulted you, or hurt your feelings, or left you out, and they they may belong to a certain ethnic group, or a culture, or a race, or a gender... uh, or the fifth grade class that you weren't in because that was the accelerated class and you weren't in the accelerated class, whatever it was that happened that began to help you formulate these ideas that those people are not good people, those people are trying to hurt me those people are trying to make my life miserable. Or, or take away something that you you think that you 
deserve right or threatening my my life my freedom whatever it is you go down this same rabbit hole that i go down with knitting patterns and cat videos Mm -hmm. um it it really becomes a problem and i know david that you've had um some experience with anger management groups as part of addiction treatment and we see that the power of anger and hate well, and not only is there a large correlation between addiction and anger management and anger issues, um, but they, they both um, really impact the exact same part of our brain. Gar- Dr. Gary Bird with the Anger Management Institute does trainings related to both addiction and anger, and, and part of what he talks about with the anger management is the amygdala. Our burglar alarm system, and and when he's looking at it with anger management, he's he's talking about an amygdala that's always on guard for being um, ripped off or put down or attacked in some way, and it's always ready to defend with um, verbal aggression followed by physical aggression, and it will go do that pattern really quickly. And so a lot of work with anger management is helping people to breathe, take time out, allow for their <clears throat> rational brain to kick in and for their amygdala to calm down. Part of what we recognize in, in the world of addiction is that our brain is is wanting um, to continually to do whatever it thinks is going to feed its survival because it's getting this reward system and the addicted brain has has their amygdala is is on alert for more 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 um, so it's that same part of the brain that that is getting activated and and I find it pretty interesting when you're looking at um, some of the information about um, the social media sites and the the different um, <clears throat> postings that will just be so and so said such and such, and it'll be just a real quick little thing that's that's a tease, a tease or an attack of one mm-hmm. group or another, and um, you know it it gets you already to begin looking at that. I think they call that like clickbait or something. <laughs> clickbait, bait. yeah, where you click on it just uh, just kind of on a whim and then you go back to what you were doing except all of a sudden now you've got all these other things coming up that mm-hmm. are to do with that 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 one thing that you right. just had this little kind of like oh I, I just should look at that you know and then all of a sudden you see this stuff and you get pulled into it right the other part that strikes me with all of this is with addiction we often talk about the faster in the higher the addictive potential. Right. Related to, um, um, you know, if you have one beer versus you have three shots, the, the shots of liquor are getting to that brain much faster and it has a higher addictive potential. Certain classes of benzos have a, a higher potential than others because they hit the brain mm-hmm. faster. And we've discovered that this medication that might be helpful for focus, if we crush it and we snort it and it gets to our brain faster, we're focused intensely for five days. Right. And we are fully hooked and addicted. And it's the same thing that's happening with this clickbait. Mm-hmm. You click one picture, you get another picture, and it's it's another angry scene or another um, putting down another group of people or it's another... Well, it, it, it takes over and it becomes... This little thing that that you were you were thinking, well, that's kind of um, not fair or something. 
And then all of a sudden you start to see all these images that are coming to you that are, are showing you, oh, that's it, really this is not really not fair. This Look at this. This is everywhere. Uh, you know, in your head you've already uh, – it's a world problem. Um, and it just started with a clickbait. Right. I know that's extreme, but, but that's – that's what happens. But and, that's often how it happens. And right? and the thing is that the uh, Facebook I'm not I'm not saying just Facebook but the the YouTube. social media's mm-hmm. WhatsApp, um, Facebook, yeah, they Twitter especially. They're designed to do that. And their advertisers are what's paying the bills. And so it's really hard when countries say, "Oh, you have to regulate yourself." I mean, that's like putting the fox in charge of the hen house or whatever, because it's very hard to regulate yourself when you have all this money pouring in. Right. And the idea that um, some of the um, language is uh, very subtle and some of the cyberbullying is very subtle, that one person reading it may not think anything about it, but it strikes a nerve with someone else. And we begin to see if that's something that you're interested in, either because you agree or because you disagree and you want to uh, get more into it. I'm, there's um, uh, you know, some patients that I'm thinking about that will be up all night on Twitter. Mm-hmm. They just get stuck on it, and they get angrier and angrier, and they're not necessarily reading the stuff they agree with, although some of them are, but they're reading the stuff that they don't agree with. And, but either way it goes, they feel more angry, they feel more activated, they feel more like taking action, whether that's clicking and buying that pair of shoes or whether that's donating to a, a certain campaign or whether that's um, funding some sort of um, Or even group. just accommodating and sharing. Right, and a sharing and, and a share sending. keeps the message going. It, we see this really becoming a huge problem, and then we get to this very tricky, slippery slope of: is this um, free speech? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that, at least here in the United States, we're guaranteed the right for free speech. And when are we? Um, when do we draw a line? And when do we have to take some action? Well. Just um, real quick on what you were saying there, uh, Brown versus the Entertainment Merchants Association. Right. Uh, that was a First Amendment fully protects violent speech, even for minors. Right. So that was and that was case. a Supreme Court right. ruling in t- 2011, I think. Yes. Very important, saying we cannot we cannot take um, we, we can't screen everything. Well, so we have to look at some balance, and I think it's very interesting. In Germany, for example, they're extremely sensitive to the whole Nazi situation and the white supremacy, um, and they take um, a very uh, quick and swift action to take down anything that is being posted that would fall into that category because they see the easiness of which you have some people just exposed to something over and over again, and they become compliant. 
like I have to be careful with language sometimes because I hear language all day long. I don't even hear it, and then I start to say it. So we become desensitized, and that's the first step. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll look at the other steps at how we need to be careful with our language. Please stay tuned. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Daryl Pullis inviting you to listen to America's Homegrown Veggie Show right here every Saturday morning at 10 Eastern Time. Great guests, great tips, and valuable information about growing your own vegetables, fruits, and herbs. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not... You probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank. You're listening to America's Web Radio. Today, David Donaldson and Michael Daly and I are talking about the role of video gaming, social media, and um, the Internet in creating violence and hate crimes. Um, before we leave this um, idea of, of social media, I think it's really important, again, going back and looking at some of the uh, work done um, reviewing what happened in Germany under um, Hitler, mm -hmm. um, that first of all, there's misinformation and disinformation. There's highlighting uh, particular parts of, of the news, and there they use the radio because that was their media. Well, if they had the internet then can you imagine because that was the propaganda <laughs> can, at the time the, right uh, yeah it, yeah it was the propaganda machine at the time and they gradually got many people involved as just i i don't really care and i no longer have sympathy for the jews i no longer have empathy i'm sick of hearing about it i don't really care i'm just going to ignore it mm -hmm. and that's of course the biggest part of the population and that's one of the biggest problems when we have this group called sympathizers, that's probably too strong a word. They're not necessarily sympathetic. They're more like apatheticizers. But, um, but this is usually the largest group. You hear swear words all day long. Next thing you know, you're swearing. You're not noticing it. And then my grandsons are saying, Grandma, you can't say that word. <laughs> um, we get um, numb to it. We get numb to violence. We get numb to... Um, uh, profanity, we get numb to sex, we get numb to a lot of things by constantly being bombarded with it. Then as um, the person becomes to the next level, that's when they become to be more um, um, rattle, radicalized. radicalized. And this is when they now actively join a group. They're going to pay membership. They're going to buy the magazine. They're going to read the book. They're going to go online and listen to the YouTube. They're going to necessarily um, take some action, but not going out and marching and, and picking up um, signs and um, protesting and chaining themselves to, to trees or whatever. But, but the second group is a fairly large group, and they do provide a lot of momentum. They provide a lot of social funding as well as literal funding for the, um, uh, the growth of this hate group. And then we have the activists. These are a much smaller group, but these are very dedicated people who do go out and take action. That The group just before that, the ones that are actually joining, mm -hmm. part of what's so powerful within social media is having more and more followers. Well, and so if they have, if they can say, right. we've got a million followers, then they get advertising dollars, they get all kinds of other benefits that help the group continue to spread and reach you more have, people. You had influencers. Influencers. Influencers yeah. that, that have a lot of followers. <coughs> you get them to um, endorse, endorse mm -hmm. whatever it is. And then all of a sudden, that influencer has, you know, three million followers. Right. Then it's, it, that's the way it works. Is, but I was going to say, in this, in this case, um, it was even talking about WhatsApp. It's a text it's mm -hmm. it's designed so that you can text back and forth, 
on your on your cell phones or, or wireless phones, um, and also have groups. Mm-hmm. So in in India, they were having to shut down WhatsApp during riots because these groups were radicalizing and turning into mobs, mobs. lynch mobs, lynch mobs. I mean, I think that's part of what's important to look at worldwide. Social media is creating these things. in In the U.S., there's all this talk about social media is creating all this gun violence but in Lib- in india it's creating lynching yeah. it's and it's creating violence all over the world it's just manifesting manifesting with the the things that are available in that part of the country right for sure um and before we leave this particular topic and we could probably have a whole show on this um i found a really good resource um it actually comes from canada's center for digital and media literacy it's called media smarts and it talks about the impact of online hate and hate crimes hate groups and different ways in which you can um uh, disconnect from a lot of the online hate. So that is Media Smarts, and it's from the Canada Canada Center for Digital and Media Literacy Center in Canada. So those of you who do not know, is spelled C E N T R E. Um, so I think. So the, I just one more point on this. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> true confession. I'm one of those people who likes goofy puns, mm-hmm. and so. I I had this little thing pop up on Facebook, a group you might like, which was Goofy Puns. And so I clicked on that, and they were funny. And so I joined that group looking at all these Goofy Puns. And, and, and so my bigger point with it is that when you're reading along and, and people make comments about the puns, one all it takes is one person to make a critical comment about something, and there will be a dozen... Uh, either defenses or attacks that Immediate. will happen immediately, Immediate. instantly. So both, that aspect within the human nature, defense. even on a goofy pun site, that aspect of the human nature to attack and defend right. is pretty innate. It's already in there. That point that you don't have to um, radicalize somebody, that they just open the door and it goes, that's mm-hmm. really there even in goofy pun sites. <laughs> exactly. And sometimes it is just that innocently. And then suddenly now you're mad, somebody's insulted you, and, and, and on the, and on it goes. And the fact that you have to have the ability to stop yourself from acting on some of that violent thought. You know? So I think that one of the things I'd like to really talk about um, – has to do with violent video games because this has come up in the media um, as one of the solutions or one of the problems. And this has been well studied since 1999 and the Columbine shooting. There has been a lot of research done, not nearly enough, but if um, you want to look at something very interesting, go to the resolution on violent video games um, from the American Psychological Association. Um, They're certainly very concerned about children, particularly any children under the age of 12, spending time with violent video games. The studies have clearly shown over and over again that violent video games do tend to produce in people who play them, whether they're boys or girls, although that still needs to be more studied, Mm -hmm. um, but 
it seems to affect both genders that the individuals who spend time playing these games are much more likely to have aggressive behavior and much more likely to have a loss of empathy Mm -hmm. and more likely to tolerate violence in others. Right. The thing that has not been proven... Just real quick, I think it's important to talk about the percentage of children using or or watching and using handheld media, computerized media, um, television is 90%. Right. And it goes to 97% when you add adolescence in there. Right. So there's a lot of kids doing this. Uh, uh, there's a lot. A lot of kids um, using this, a lot of kids spending a lot of time on it. Um, the, um, the idea, though, that watching violent video games is then going to result in people acting out violent crimes has not been supported. I, right. Um, and they have tried (laughs) every which way they have looked at this every which way and there is just um no um compelling evidence that that it does result in people acting out violent crimes it does show aggressive behavior which is not a good thing lack of empathy not a good thing and these are certainly not traits that we want to instill in our young children but um, the studies do not bear out that violent video games um, are related to mass shootings or violent crimes. And so I think that's one of the things we need to look at. Are there problems with violent video games? Absolutely. Yes. Is it making us more tolerant to violence? Is it making us less um, compassionate and sensitive? Absolutely. But one of the interesting studies that was done... um, is how, uh, looking at how much money per capita is spent on playing violent video games. And while the U.S. is right up there, um, there are two countries that far exceed the amount of money spent per capita on playing vi- violent video games, and these are South Korea and um, Japan. Mm-hmm. But when we put that on a graph comparing money spent on violent video games and U.S. comes in number three but we are way far and above uh, the people who are um, the groups that actually have violent crimes mass shootings murders so it's not the time and the money spent on these video games that is resulting Mm -hmm. in the um, acting out of the violence. It really appears to be other factors. um, Society. And the society and um, probably access to guns. So this is... um, this is something that we need to be looking at and to be really careful about because not one solution. No. Taking away people's guns makes everybody frightened, everybody mad, everybody polarized. Having some smart interventions would make a lot of sense, mm-hmm. and one of the um, one of the things to look at would be how can we how can we make things safer 
and how can we reduce uh, the violent acting out. But um, it does not seem to be a correlation with time and money spent on violent video games. Right. There are other problems with them. I'm not a fan, personally, but that is not, um, that is not what we... Um, we see correlated with the actual acting out of violence. Now, I can tell you, having had my children watch Teenage Ninja, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, um, we know that <laughs> that they all decided to get up and do karate on each other, or, um, <laughs> or tie each other up, or, or tie or, each other or, up. You know. <laughs> So, so um, they they do tend to act out some of the things that they see, and there is a problem with getting accustomed to violence and death. But it is not necessarily, unfortunately, the solution for us in terms of this particular problem. When we come back after this next break, we're going to talk about the role of mental illness and uh, gun violence. So please stay tuned. Perhaps you are struggling to cope with the disease of addiction. If not, you probably know a family member or friend that needs help in battling the cravings and the personal and professional damage done by the effects of drugs or alcohol. Get a pen and paper and be ready to write down the following. These are the issues that the trained staff at the Atlanta Healing Center address and treat every day. Their doctors and counselors with over 40 years of practice in the field of addiction can treat the suffering individual in a thoughtful, compassionate, and experienced manner and guide him or her along the path to recovery. So call 770-696-9862 and speak to a knowledgeable staff member about how you or your loved one can be helped to enjoy a better and healthier life. More information is also available on the website at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. This is Ron Camacho, host of the Business Hour, on Fridays from 10 to 11 a.m. Join me as I talk with passionate professionals on a program that profiles the best businesses, business professionals, business practices, and fascinating individuals to get an insider view of how America works, 10 to 11 a.m. on America's Web Radio. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. 
Welcome back. This is Detailing Addiction. I'm Dr. Susan Blank, and you're listening to America's Web Radio. You probably would have loved to have listened to our interaction during our break. <laughs> we have some pretty lively conversations because we are a group of people, and we don't always have the same ideas, and that's the beauty of communication. But um, the last thing that I wanted to talk about in this show today, about the role of um, social media, violent video games, um, mental illness. I really wanted to talk about that in terms of many times we're seeing um, people come out and make statements. They've got to be sick. They're Mm -hmm. mentally ill. They're Mm -hmm. deranged. They're crazy. These people are crazy. And the reality is that is not true. 19 out of the last 20 mass murderers had no mental illness diagnosis. Four out of five mass shooters in general have no mental illness, and even those that did, half of those had not shown any signs or any symptoms um, of the illness in the recent past. So the idea that... um, Simply doing medical and mental illness background checks is also going to solve the problem. It's not with the huge caveat. Is first of all, people who are mentally ill are much more likely to actually be victims of uh, violent crimes. Um, but the biggest way in which medical background checks might make some sense is the fact that two-thirds of um, suicide deaths, so two-thirds of individual deaths by gun are suicides. And many of these people do have mental illness. So the violence that we are more likely to see related to mental illness is actually self-harm and self-inflicted violence. There's the suicidal, and then there's just the stupid, and then there's the I don't know how to clean my gun properly. But for the (laughs) most part, we see a lot of people um, uh, who who are depressed, who are mentally ill, who have the disease of addiction who I, get to I a ask, scary place and they are more likely to take their life. I'm, I don't know this, so I'm asking. Mental illness and behavioral um, problems right. are two separate things. Correct. So a lot of people, I think that there's a huge amount of general population that thinks behavioral problems equate to mental illness, which is totally untrue. Right. And as the FBI says, that um, declaring that all active shooters must be mentally ill is very misleading and unhelpful. Yeah, that's... To be a racist, to be a xenophobe, to be someone who is angry um, does not make them mentally ill. You can have any belief that you want. You can belong to any religious group or community group. You can have any belief, and that's part of what our country is founded on. You can believe whatever you want to do and believe in that. How you act on those beliefs do have some consequences, but they do not necessarily always equate with a mental illness and we have to be very 
careful with the language that we use because, yes, while that seems like um, a crazy, insane thing to do, to go and just start randomly shooting in a Walmart or in a restaurant, it is not by far likely that that person actually does have a mental illness. It's out of the range of possibility to think that we're going to go get in our car and drive someplace and shoot somebody. That just does not fit with most most human beings, most people that we know. That wouldn't be that their goal at the end of the day. Um, so it seems so far fetched that we can't um, we can't understand it, and so we use things like insane and crazy and mentally ill. But the reality is is that that is not true. They're they're rarely mentally ill. Where background checks that do check mental health status might be helpful are for those that really do relate to people who have depression who may have had a previous suicide attempt. That is, um, there is nothing more um, devastating than to, uh, I was called in one time to do a consultation on um, someone who had attempted suicide by shotgun mm-hmm. and did Missed. not kill himself but did blow the front of his face off Mm. and um, had significant um, problems after that. I mean, it's really devastating when you think about that. So the the gun violence, um, uh, I I think, self-inflicted is where we might see some benefit from that. How do you you respond? Because lately you hear a lot about suicide by police. Mm-hmm. Especially for young males, so you will hear these angry males, and they've gone out and they've done some crime and gotten shot by a police, and people will say, "Well, he was committing suicide by police." How do you respond to that in terms of your background? Well, again, I think that, um, we, and we've heard many people because we ask them regularly, "Are you having thoughts of hurting yourself or others?" And, and <laughs> or others, yes, we ask that every day too. Yes. Um, one of the things that they'll answer was, I, I could never do that. You know, it's against my religion. I've got my children. Yeah, blah, their blah, beliefs blah. I'm stop too, them from I'm too scared doing that. to do that. I'm too scared to do that. And sometimes people are too scared to actually do it, but they want to do it, and they know if they If act they out, act out in a certain way, that it will be done for them. Right. So I think that... Um, um, so and to your point, um, the question was just asked, what are they? These are people that are filled with hate and confusion that are taking these actions. And um, do they have a mental illness? Likely not. Have they been isolated? Have they been radicalized? Have they been fed a constant diet from social media of hate and revulsion and racism and um, all kinds of um, angry thoughts. Many of the kids, if you hear, if they're young people, you hear their um, uh, cohorts in school say, oh, they were really a loner, they were very Mm -hmm. isolated, they seemed kind of weird, they didn't have friends. And so we we have to look at that piece of it. When it, when we come to think about everything, including 
the disease of addiction, prevention is the place that we need to go. And today the AMA made a statement. Uh, common steps must be advanced by policymakers in addition to addressing the pathology of hatred mm-hmm. that too often find themselves becoming mass murderers. Mm-hmm. So the idea of we've got to stop the hatred, we've got to find a way to cross that line between when are we having free speech and when are we having bullying, when are we having um, uh, radicalization of people into um, taking action against a group of people. That's a that's a problem. When do we have our rights to have our guns versus our right to protect ourselves? When do we take care of people who are mentally ill? Um, there are so many things that come into play here. The right to play video games versus the responsibility of parents to make sure what their kids are watching and seeing, the sites that they're going on. It is very hard to be a parent. And it is very hard, even when you try your best, to be a good parent and to know what's going on. But it is very important, and more than ever, we need to be aware of the time that our children are spending with media, the sites that they're going to, the games that they're being involved with. So even though that may not make them a mass murderer, it certainly may make them someone who is oblivious to that or now immune to the effect of that or make them more aggressive towards other children at school. We need to take some steps to make sure that they are not going to these sites. Um, We need to have more positive speech and more positive emphasis on, um, on groups to join and places to be included. And when we see something that doesn't look right, we need to say something. When we see the kid that's getting bullied at school, when we hear our children come home and talk about this weird kid... What we need to see what is it that we can do to help people feel included and to stop the hate language, to stop the bullying, to stop the racism, to stop fighting genders, and um, to try and find a way to not create a differences. A, a, and- Differences and hate. In particular, to begin using language that inspires empathy and inspires connection and and social um, relationships. Because freedom is what we value and what we need to protect. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week on Detailing Addiction. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.